0: Hyundai's most electric EV lineup changes the way you look and feel about EVs, specifically Hyundai EVs. Hyundai's EV lineup has everything you've been yearning for in your next or first EV, boldly captivating your senses. There's the ultra-fast charging in the Ioniq 5 and Ioniq 6 from 10 to 80% in as little as 18 minutes. There's the fun-to-drive lineup and the tech-infused standard safety features like highway driving assist and blind spot collision Warning. Plus, you get America's best warranty with a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited electric battery warranty. Learn more about Hyundai EVs at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, everyone. The All 32, our coverage of every NFL team continues. Today we're talking about the Carolina Panthers with my guy, Joe Person from The Athletic. You might wonder why Will Brinson, North Carolina resident, isn't doing this podcast. He is, uh, he's still on vacation. He's been on vacation for what feels like two months now, but I am happy to talk to Joe. Joe and I go way back. I mean, like 25 years way back. Uh, you know what's funny, Joe? Like, um, every, every opportunity I get, I always say, yeah, I went to college with Mike Tomlin and, and Sean McDermott. I'm going to have to add Joe Person there because Joe Person is a William Mary alum as well. Joe, right? <laughs> athletic Joe? How are
1: you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Uh, and you're right, man. It's, it's cool to be on with a fellow tribesman. Uh, that was a long time ago, but we don't we don 't need to start adding up the years it 's just uh, good to have that tribe pride
0: yeah, so joe played played football in college way mary the D- one one double a they call it FCS now, but here 's the thing a lot of people would have no idea about unless they they followed FCS football for the last thirty years. Uh, Jimmy Laycock, who just retired recently, was one of the winningest coaches in fCS history, maybe even college football history, but the the number of athletes that William Mary put out on the football field is, is pretty crazy given that it wasn't a big time program in terms of power five day. Um, who are some of the guys that you remember playing with that were just, cause Mike Tomlin was a receiver. No one remembers, no one even knows that Sean McDermott played uh, in the secondary. He was a safety sort of small. School, like you were tight end. Um, did you play with Sean Knight or was
1: that after you? I did play with Sean Knight. He was a uh, quarterback who followed a guy named Chris Haeckel. Chris Haeckel was a big kid who uh, spent some time with the Redskins and the Falcons, uh, I think, practice squads. He was drafted, too, though. He was like a fourth or fifth-round pick, I think. I think I think he was. And, of course, that was back when Joe Gibbs had a connection to the program and J.D. Gibbs, uh, who very sadly died about a year and a half ago with, with brain degenerative brain disease. J.D. was a defensive back, very humble kid. Like, this was at the height of the – of the Washington's uh, success under Joe Gibbs. Joe occasionally would, like, helicopter down from Ashburn, Virginia, go to a game on Saturday and be back at, you know, for the team meeting Saturday night in in Ashburn. So, anyway, J.D. Gibbs was there. You know who was probably, in terms of, in my era, who went on to have the most NFL success was a kicker, Steve Christie. That's right. Steve Christie? Yeah, he's a Lambda
0: Chi. (laughs)
1: You can give him the secret handshake.
0: <laughs> That's right. I don't know if I remember it, but uh, yeah, he actually came back. Probably you m- probably left because I think I was a junior at that point, point. and I, I didn't see him. But he he came by the fraternity house. He had a few beers, few four to twenty beers, and I think he ended up uh, sort of giving out the those little you know you, you get branded or whatever. He he got his redone. And I think he he was really bothered about the idea the next morning. He's like, oh, my God, my wife's going to see this. She's going to kill me. I forgot about Steve Christie. That's right. Yeah, good times. Yeah, that was it was a simpler time back then, Joe. Steve um, Steve
1: Christie, you'll remember, uh, was the one and only time I've ever gone to Canton. I was covering like a high school championship football game in the Canton area for a little tiny paper in Huntington, West Virginia. We covered up Southern Ohio. Go to Canton before the game. Steve Christie's cleat is being memorialized in there because he had finished the greatest playoff comeback in NFL history that Bills uh, against the Oilers game. Yeah. Frank Reich. But Christie's field goal won it, and they had his cleat in Canton that day.
0: Nice. So how long have you – before the athletic year with the Charlotte Observer, how long have you covered the Panthers?
1: This will be my 11th year, I think. I started 2010. Uh, in that very dubious distinction that was the two and 14 year, lots of dysfunction with John Fox was a, a lame duck coach. They tried to go into the season with Matt Moore as the quarterback. He got hurt like in week two. They had to turn to Jimmy Clausen, rookie, way overmatched and, uh, Two and 14 followed, and Cam Newton followed, and, and also the hiring of Ron Rivera. So it was kind of it – was, it was a lot like this year uh, in terms of, you know, a, a kind of a restart, which is what they're doing, of course, with Matt Rule. Uh, like Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera had to go through the lockout his first year and Cam's first year. Right. So now, of course, Matt Rule, Teddy Bridgewater, this whole crew's having to go through the, uh, the you know, the COVID and being away from the building. So Matt
0: Rule, you mentioned him, coach of Baylor, coach of Temple, has success at both places, and he parlayed that into, into the job um, at Carolina. He's a young guy. He, he seems very outgoing. What are your initial impressions of him? And he, you get the impression when you hear him talk that he wants to make everyone happy. You can't do that in NFL locker room like perhaps you can in college locker room. What are your impressions of, of just your first impressions of Matt Rule and, and the challenges he's going to that's rebuilding?
1: So, I like his energy a lot, and I like the fact, Ryan, that he has not made any excuses. Like, you could make a pretty strong argument that the Panthers are have the odds stacked against them more than any other kind of first-year coach. Uh, of course, we know Mike McCarthy and and, and Ron Rivera both coached in the uh, NFL before a lot. Joe Judge is a new coach, but he has a, a returning quarterback. So, you know, Matt Rule has exactly one year under his belt of uh, of, of NFL experience, and it was in his assistant offensive line. But I'll, I'll, having said all that, anytime we've gotten him on a Zoom or, or what what have you, he's not making excuses. And I, I think – his players notice that, you know, because you start doing that kind of stuff, and then then the players have a built-in excuse. And and I, I've liked his energy. He's a guy that knows both sides of the football, I, I, and and because of that, I think he he knows enough to where he can delegate, and but but not be all too hands on. I mean, he's really more of a kind of overseer, program builder than he is like an offensive or a defensive play
0: yeah, and in a lot of ways that that's the ability to sort of give up the micromanaging part of it can, can serve you well if you have the right people around you. So let's talk about that. Joe Brady, William Mary alum, but he's uh substantially younger than we are. This is his first year in the NFL, obviously. He had a meteoric rise last year with LSU and that offense that turned things around from the year before when they were mostly run based, it felt like. And then Phil Snow, the other side, who's a veteran defensive coordinator. Um what are the challenges that that both these guys face coming from different perspectives in terms of age and experience and, and the rosters they have around them?
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of what we were talking about earlier. I mean, The, the challenge for Phil Snow is he lost a lot of good players. Uh, I think I, – and, and we'll, we'll get back to offense. I, I, think, I think Joe Brady's got some weapons. Phil Snow, you know, he walks in the door and Luke Kuechly's retiring and Gerald McCoy's leaving in free agency. Mario Addison's leaving in free agency. Uh, they're letting – they're not re-signing James Bradbury. They had a lot of, of talent on defense that um, left. And so he's really kind of starting more from scratch uh, than, than Joe Brady. Uh, Brady, <laughs> he said this, this week on a Zoom with us, he said, you know, I think anyone would envy an offensive coordinator who gets hired and inherits Christian McCaffrey. Right. He's absolutely the the, the – the, what Joe – Brady walks into. And and then even Teddy Bridgewater, I get the impression that this was a hand-picked guy, a hand-picked dude uh, by Joe Brady. Huh. Uh, a lot of people kind of forget that before he had his big run with Joe Burrow last year at LSU, Brady was a low, low-level offensive assistant in New Orleans. And as such, when the Saints traded for Bridgewater before the, what would that be, the 20- 18 season Um, it was like right before week one it was it was like an end of training camp end of preseason trade and so uh, Sean Payton and the rest of offensive staff they were getting ready for their their opening week opponent, and the job of kind of bringing Bridgewater up to speed in in that Saints offense fell to Joe Brady and he and Bridgewater developed a bond then They've stayed close uh, over the years. And as I said, I, when it was very obvious that the Panthers were going to move on from Cam, uh, Cam Newton, I think Teddy Bridgewater was Joe Brady's guy. They went out and got him. It doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to be the answer for five years, but I think it's a, he's a good bridge type of quarterback, actually, from Cam Newton to whomever comes next. If Bridgewater blows it up and he's looking like that guy he was in Minnesota before that uh, horrific injury – well, then good. Then they resign him and the, they roll with him. So I, I, I kind of like that signing for a, a team in rebuild.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. And, um, you mentioned Christian, Christian McCaffrey. We saw what Clyde Edwards-Alaire did for that LSU offense last year for Joe Burrow. And Christian McCaffrey feels like a souped up version of Clyde Edwards-Alaire in terms of versatility. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire cost, caught 50 plus passes last year. And we all think about Joe Burrow making these passes down the field. How important is Christian McCaffrey, his versatility, in uh, doing not only helping Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater, but helping um, Joe Brady do what he wants to do offensively.
1: Yeah, that's huge. Um, it, Brady said this week that it would be injustice to call Christian McCaffrey just the running back. Yeah, he's not going to use him as such. He'll get plenty of touches out of the backfield, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you you make a great point with 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 uh, the the LSU kid. Putting him out. Uh, and I don't know how much he did of that, but Christian McCaffrey will be, Hobie spread out a lot. I mean, they'll have a lot of empty backfields. McCaffrey will be a part of that. The tight end, Ian Thomas, will be a part of that. So, and and listen, it's not like North Turner was lining up Christian McCaffrey in, in an I formation and giving him power <laughs> off tackle. So, you know, they, they were already doing a lot of this, but it's always cool to bring a fresh look to it. It's going to be – this Joe Brady offense is going to have a ton of Saints influence, obviously. I mean, that's just where he learned. Uh, I did an interview a couple weeks ago with Will Greer, their, their backup quarterback, and he said, oh, yeah, like all the cut-ups we're watching are Saints and LSU. And uh, so Brady will put his own stamp on it, uh, but it's going to be fun. And, uh, like, I don't think this team's going to be particularly good, but I think yeah. the offense will be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned the defense earlier. I want to ask you about, you know, you mentioned all the losses. They drafted Derek Brown, which seemed like a pretty easy pick, given where they were. They got Jeremy Chin, the safety in the second round, and also Yatir Gros Matos, the, the edge rusher out of Penn State. How important is it going to be for those guys to step up from day one, giving all the losses they had and, uh, you know, sort of help out Brian Burns, last year's first round pick?
1: Yeah, very important. And, uh, and, and certainly Derek Brown will, you know, hope, he'll be a day one starter. I don't know if Jeremy Chin's going to be a starter, but he'll be on the field a lot. Same with Gross Meadows. I, I'm glad you mentioned Burns Brad, because I really like that kid. Yeah. Uh, of course, he, you know, they drafted him out of Florida State last year thinking to, to run a 3-4. Well, now Phil Snow's back in a 4-3. And so there have been a lot of people, you know, on my, on my Twitter or whatever. You know, how's Burns going to do in the 4-3? I'm like, this kid's a football player. I mean, is he a little lean? Yeah, but he's, a, he's just a fast twitch edge rusher who was in the middle of a terrific rookie season. Until he stupidly got frustrated, punched the ground in Houston, and broke his wrist. Right. Tried to play through it, but I, I like him a lot. He's he's going he's to have to be a guy in this rebuild that you know is sort of the core fixture on defense, along with Trey Boston, who they resigned, Shaq Thompson, who they resigned. But the secondary, uh, you know, the cornerback position. Especially when you're playing in a division with Drew Brees and Tom Brady and, and Matt Ryan. You know, that said, they let Bradbury walk. Dante Jackson has been hit or miss his first two years. And then, you know, they're kinda taking a flyer on Eli Apple. Yeah. So that I, I think they're gonna give up some big numbers uh in the <laughs> secondary.
0: It's a tough it's a tough division too. Um all right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back talking more Panthers with Joe Person. All right, Joe, you sort of touched on it. I don't know if, if this is what you would go with or you would go with another position, but if, if there's a biggest position battle to watch as we move towards whatever training camp looks like, is it the secondary or is it somewhere else as long the offensive line? What do you think it is?
1: Yeah, probably a couple different ones. I mean, Jeremy Chin, there's two new two new guys kind of vying for Eric Reid's old, old in-the-box safety spot. Uh, Justin Burris, who they signed from Cleveland, and then uh and the guy we've mentioned Jeremy Chin probably because of my FCS background I always am a sucker for for these 1AA kids and Chin comes out of uh comes out of northern illinois uh he was a zero star recruit leaving his indianapolis high school hits a growth spurt goes from something like 5'10 to 6'3 he can run he can hit <laughs> Obviously, he didn't have you know didn't play in the SEC, the ACC, the Big Twelve, but he he held his own at Senior Bowl, and I think that's where he really got on the Panthers' map yeah. radar. And uh, so I'm interested to see him. You know, the funny thing about the position battle, uh, and and I'm sure I'm going to do a story like that, but it's almost like man, this first year just almost feels like Matt Rule, it, like. I don't even know if they're going to throw everybody out there and see what sticks, you know, like if you can make a case that you're going to be position battles all over this place, which if you're like a young, unproven guy, like you better be, you know, you're fired up. Yeah. Cause it's a clean slate. Uh, you know, they, obviously they have some guys, they sort of penciling in at, at various spots, but, if some dude just comes out of nowhere, it's like, okay, cool, put him in there. What What do we have to lose? We're, we're not really expecting not, – not really. They are not expecting to contend this year. And so it's a developmental year, and, uh you know, I think they're going to treat it as such.
0: Yeah, Vegas agrees with you because their win total for the Panthers is five and a half. So – um I don't know if I love the Panthers winning six games or seven games. That seems like a a good start for Matt Rule. So what's the ceiling or or, or the floor for you in your mind? What would be success for Panthers fans? Matt Rule's first year, a lot of question marks, mostly on defense.
1: Probably success would be – I don't even know what the win total would look like. Let's say five or six. But they're in a lot of games. They have guys that they can say, okay – Uh, Stephen Weatherly at defensive end who we signed from the Vikings, he showed us he can play and be a difference maker. Or maybe it's Justin Burris. Or, you know, maybe it's Robbie Anderson. You know, they they need to come out of this year with the guys they feel like are going to be the staples of when they hope, either in 2021 or maybe more realistically, 2022. Uh, and a lot of these guys, it's interesting. If you look at their free agents, with the exception of Shaq Thompson, who was already here, it was all one and two year deals. Like they it was it, the whole, the whole idea is like you, everyone's on a prove it deal. If you're, if you're part of it, we'll resign you. And if not, Hey, we appreciate you being here. You were part of this kind of weird bridge period for lack of a better term. And, uh, and, and we're going to sign some other guys and draft some other guys. So lots of those short contracts and, uh, and they have a lot of money to spend in future cap years. Of course, depending on, on what the yeah, this all play out with, with the COVID and so forth.
0: Right. Uh, one last question uh, about under David Tapper. Do you think he'll have the patience to sit through what looks like not going to be a great year on paper? Because we know, I don't know if he got frustrated, but clearly he wanted to make changes. Started with Ron Rivera. Cam Newton's gone. Luke Kickley retired. He hired a bunch of analytics guys. Do, do you think he's going to have the patience to sit through what could be a three or four win
1: season? You know, the only reason I say yes is I remember we were in a press conference with him. It wasn't even a press conference. We we're kind of around like a, a boardroom table. And it was, it, you know, it was a media gathering, but kind of like, you know, a small gathering. And someone asked him basically what you just said, what you just asked me. And he was he was the one who said, you know, Rome wasn't building a day. He's like, he's like, do you think our and he posed the question sort of back to us, but he he said, Do you think our fans would be cool if we have a couple years of struggle, if it meant like a lot of sustained success down the road? And we were all kind of well, you know, sure. I I do think, listen, Matt Rule got a seven-year contract. He ain't going to be that patient. But absolutely, I I think everyone sort of understands. Marty Herney seems to be, the general manager seems to be like the one guy, and Marty's kind of near the end of his rope in terms of getting your retirement need. But he's like the one guy who doesn't seem to, like, want to buy into the whole rebuild concept. But I think David Tapper's on board with it and willing to be patient.
0: Well, that's great. That's great for Carolina Panthers fans and maybe – Someone should, should pass that clip on to Jimmy Haslam in, in, in Cleveland. Uh, renowned lack of patience there. <laughs> Kevin Savansky. might appreciate it. Joe, great talking to you, man. Usually I see you at the Super Bowl and Senior Bowl combine. I'm glad I got to talk to you in the off season. You can follow Joe at The Athletic, at Joseph Person on Twitter. And uh, in my mind, best tight end in the William Mary football history.
1: You're too kind, man, but this was fun. Uh, hope you and your sta- family stay uh, healthy and safe, buddy.
0: Same to you, man.